Welcome to the Pen and the Yod. Defining Holiness. The Parsha is Kedoshim. Rabbi Siegel and Jonathan Eig explore the meaning and relevance of holiness for the modern Jew. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Rabbi Siegel. This week, we will be reading from the portion of Kedoshim. And it prompts a question. If you had to pick a verse from the Torah that is the most impactful verse in the entire span of the five books of Moses, what, what would you pick? That's a big question. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> How about the Shema? Let's start with, let's try that one. Crowd pleaser. Yeah, I'm going to go with a safe pick here. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Achad, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And why'd you pick that? Well, it's monotheism, right? The Lord is one, the Lord is our God. It's kind of fundamental. It's the building block, right? A foundation stone for the Jewish people. You know, it's interesting that when we say the Shema in the service twice a day, it's almost like a Jewish Pledge of Allegiance. We are saying something that unites us as a people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I'm going to make a different suggestion, though, even though I think that most Jews would pick the one that you pick. I'm going to go with the very opening lines of our portion for this week. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the whole community of Israel and say to them, Kiddoshim tihiyu, ki kadosh ani Adonai Elohechem. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. I think this is just a remarkable verse, because in some ways, it offers us the most idealistic view of human potential. You will be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. As opposed to how some religions understand the fall of man, despite all of the issues that God has had with the Jewish people and with humanity in general, beginning with Adam and throughout up to this point, The fact that God still sees the holiness of every human individual tells me that the fact that we may fail at times does not make us failures. But to use the phrase of the modern period, we fail forward. We fail forward. And we still have that potential to be holy. Let's uh, back up a second. And how would you define holiness? Uh, Obviously, uh, we, we know the phrase from pop culture now, you know, people use it out of sight of religion as kind of an exclamation, holy cow, holy... Right, uh, close to, being close to Wrigley Field. That's right, a, right, Harry Carey. Is, that is a holy uh, phrase in and of but, itself. Um, but can we define it? There is one explanation, which is, I would say, the Christian explanation. We talk about, for instance, when we talk about the Pope, we talk about the Holy See. Mm-hmm. And I'm not at all sure what that what that means, except that it's something really important, right? And religious. But it, beyond that, I don't, I'm not sure what that means. But from the Torah's perspective, the word kadosh actually has a very specific meaning. We speak about Shabbat as Yom Shabbat Kodesh. The Sabbath is a day of kodesh. And if you think about it, in order for it to be Shabbat you have to separate and elevate the day. Mm -hmm. Friday night's going to come. There's no magic about it. You need to either decide you're going to have Shabbat or decide you're going to have the weekend. 
once you've made that choice, if you're going to have Shabbat, you're going to do a whole variety of things to separate the day from the rest of the week. You'll light candles and show certain intention. Say a prayer over wine, show certain intention, set the table, maybe put flowers on the table. So the definition of Kiddushah is to be separated and elevated. Okay. Separated and elevated. And so from the Torah's perspective, we as a people need to separate ourselves from the larger society in some ways to be able to make the statement that though everyone's doing it, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily right or what we should be doing, and to work towards elevating ourselves, which from the Torah's perspective and what's going to follow in this portion really means elevating other people. Mm -hmm. I elevate myself by the way I see you. If I see you as having a spark of holiness, that I'm willing to, ele and, and then I'm going to apply that to our relationship that elevates you and at the same time elevates me. So it's aspirational. And um, I guess then God is saying, you shall be holy for I am holy. He's saying, be like me. Does that mean God is a role model in this or is he part of the community and we're all supposed to be holy together? How do you see that relationship? The notion that God is has attributes mm -hmm. that are to be emulated is very much a part of the Torah's understanding. When God passes before Moses on Mount Sinai, Moses hears God's attributes. The Lord is merciful and kind, long-forbearing, and on it goes. And the rabbis look at this and they say, these Unless God told us these things, we couldn't possibly know them about God. But now that we know them, God shares this with us because God wants us to take on these attributes ourselves. If God is kind, then I can be kind. If God is merciful, I can be merciful. So in a way, holiness is based on what's called imitatio Dei, the imitation of God. But does that really resonate? with people today, the imitation of God. Well, certainly aspiration is a big part of our culture and trying to be better, trying to improve ourselves. This, you know, there are millions and millions of self-help books and blogs and, you know, everything you can imagine. So we are, if, if you define holiness as idealistic view of human potential, then yes, people can certainly relate to that. When you get the God part in there, it becomes more complicated for some people, I think. Well... Think about religious figures who have made a difference in the world, people who have changed the world, have done things that no one thought was actually possible, and how their attachment to the idea of God, of being better than they thought they could be, because they believed that they had a spark of holiness in them. Mm -hmm. And that gave them the confidence and the strength to do great things. That's a really interesting question. How very often do we find that these truly inspirational leaders say that they feel called by God or that they are trying to, to be holy, trying to follow the lessons of their religion? It seems like a, certainly a disproportionate number of our, of our greatest leaders have, have had religion, have used religion as a part of their, of their mission, that it's not just um, something they learned as a kid. This is integral to their lives. Moses is the most paradigmatic. He, not only, not only is he human, the first time we actually meet him is when he loses his temper. Mm. He can't speak. 
He doesn't feel confident. And yet God chooses him to be that person. And over the course of the Torah, we see the evolution of a leader. We see the evolution of a leader because he is attaching himself to God. And so his success is the belief that he is engaging what God sees within him. And that begins with seeing a sense of holiness within us. And that, I think, is a very interesting and powerful message for today. Because the reality is, is that unless we see ourselves as being capable of good, we can't be good. If I can't envision peace, then peace will never come. If I can't see the good in myself, how am I going to see the good in other people? And it seems to me that we are involved in a national discussion right now about goodness. Can we really be good? Younger people are growing up far more cynical about the human condition. That's right. You can argue that a good part of that goes to the fact that they're not as engaged in the religious communities that they used to be. A lot of people talk about the fact that a mass movement like the civil rights movement can never happen again because we just don't have the same level of attendance at worship services that we used to. And you could never mobilize the people to take on a moral crusade to fight for something like love. That's what the civil rights movement was about. It was about loving one another. That could never happen now because we're so cynical. And part of the reason we're so cynical perhaps is that we don't see something bigger We don't in our lives. We don't feel like we have to aspire to something as great as God because it seems unrealistic. Jonathan, I'm... I'm shocked. You're taking my lines here. <laughs> but I think you're hitting on something really powerful. Do we feel a sense of requisite obligation based upon our sense of ourselves, our sense of mission, our sense that God has an expectation of us? Look at voter turnout. In a time when we are talking more and more and more about the need to participate in our own democracy, Chicago just held a mayoral election with the lowest turnout in decades. Right. What does that say about our own sense of self, but our own sense of obligation? We're living in a very selfish time right now. People are wrapped up in their own lives, in their own phones. They're not interacting. They don't feel the same sense of community, and they don't go to religious services as often as they used to. And and that's one area where the sense of something bigger than yourself comes into play. That's what I really love about this portion, because what's going to follow is not a lesson on kashrut, kosher laws. It's not going to be about going to synagogue on Shabbat. It's not about observing all the holidays. There are other places in the Torah that are going to do this. This portion that begins with this paradigmatic line, you will be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. This is a whole portion about how do you become a mensch? How do you become a human being? I become a human being when I don't put a stumbling block in front of the blind, when I don't curse the deaf, when I don't denigrate other human beings. I become a human being when I return my neighbor's ox that has wandered away, when I come to the defense of even my enemy, And then you have this kind of pinnacle moment where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is like, this is the peak moment. And this is the most aspirational of ideas. And it all begins, not only when I see the holiness within myself, 
But I see that that holiness within me is something that I share because of God. In other words, I have to align myself with God and express that holiness by how I treat other people. So where do we go from here? How does this is going to apply to our own world, our own society? That's the question of the age, isn't it? That's a tough one because it sounds all good in, in principle and applying it and asking people to just be better, to to think more about others feels idealistic and maybe naive. Well, maybe what is needed is a second naivete, as has been said before us, that we need to open our eyes and see again. And if we don't, well, I think the world in which we live tells us where we're going in a way that makes it only about me. What's my responsibility to the environment? What's my responsibility to others? What's my responsibility to the stranger? All of these ideas will pale if we don't begin with seeing the essence of holiness within every person. Great to talk to you. You too.